Thomas, you can bitch and moan every time I fidget with things. And usually when I'm fidgeting, it's when I'm not talking. You're in the middle of talking and pop the top on a beer. <laughs> you can't complain about I me was, making noise anymore. There was an exclamation on the statement of frustration <laughs> I was given. It was done. It was done fully aware and in a state of anger. <laughs> You are listening to episode 120 of PHP Ugly. I'm Eric Van Johnson, and with me, as always, are my good friends and hosts, John Congdon. Hello, hello. And Thomas Rideout. Hello. We have a little bit more of a somber beginning this show. Um, we wanted to touch on, or I wanted to touch on, uh, an event that happened. You know, we talk a lot about community here. Um, between the three of us, we're big community people. We we feel that making the PHP community strong is beneficial for everybody. It's beneficial for the people involved. It's beneficial for companies that get involved. Uh, everybody learns. Everybody gets better. But more importantly, is you, you make friends. And as I reflect back, you know, everybody I consider pretty much a close friend today, I have met in some form or fashion through PHP communities. It was. It's either been through our local user group here in San Diego, or it's been through extended groups of PHP like LaraChat and and other groups like that. Um, I hold these friends now very near and dear to to you know my heart and you know the relationships that I have with them. I've started businesses with some of my friends. I've started some podcasts with some of my friends. I. <laughs> I fly to other countries to visit other friends. Uh, it's it's important to me. Here in San Diego, um, you know, John Congdon uh, re- relaunched the San Diego PHP user group years and years ago, and there was a there was quite a pretty big turnout uh, that first day. But a couple of people that had turned out was myself and another individual by the name of uh, William um, K- John, how do you Cahill Manley. William Cahill Manley. And <clears throat> William went on to become pretty tight with our our group. And we built a pretty good friendship with William. Um, William is actually credited to introducing Laravel to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still remember when he did that very clearly. Uh, William, I had just done my KPHP presentation. Uh, William pulled me to the side and says, hey, man. If you like Cake, there's this other framework out there called Laravel. Don't look at it right now because it's on version 3, but the developer is just getting ready to release version 4 in a couple months, and when he does, it's going to be a game changer. And uh, it it was a game changer. It was a game changer for me. I mean, I I started to build a career off of doing Laravel development um, as a a result of getting introduced to it. Uh, William, we didn't realize... He's a very he was he's a very humble person, and it turned out William was very much more involved with the Laravel community at the time than he kind of led on to. And years later, when we had our Laravel user group and we did a interview with Taylor Otwell, Taylor saw William and as we were setting things up, and he asked, he said, "William, he says 
are you Kandari? And Kandari was his uh, handle on like IRC and a lot of the chat clients and things like that. And William's like, yeah, Taylor, it's nice to finally meet you. He's like, Taylor was very appreciative of William and everything he'd done for Laravel up until that time. Uh, I guess he was very involved with the forums and things like that. And that blew me away. And if you knew William, you knew how smart he was. <clears throat> the reason I'm talking a lot about William is William passed away on us. Mm-hmm. And I think all of us here at PHP Ugly, myself, John, Thomas, were all impacted in some form or fashion by William's presence. And so I just wanted to take a moment and just kind of let the audience know, people listening, and if by chance you knew Kandari or William, to let you know, unfortunately, this is the way I'm letting you know, but that, uh, you know, appreciate the people you have in your life. Appreciate those community bonds you build. Um, you know, William passed away of natural causes. It, it was not an accident, you know, no major accident or anything. And, and he was, a, he was a young cat. So he was, he was only like, what, it, 25, 26 at tops. I, I'm think? Pretty, I, I thought he was in his like thirties, like 30, 31. No, I don't think so. I mean, I remember him being 22, and I've only been in San Diego for six years, so at most he's well, 28. That's a good at, point. At yeah. most. So yeah. that, that's just, when you sent me that message, I was just blown away. I, I was with my wife walking into an appointment and literally got out of the car, and you, I got your message via Slack, and I was like, holy shit. Like, it was just... yeah immediately like wow very very shocked and saddened yeah i i i was i actually had to stop i was i was holding a a group we're we're having a group brainstorming session and it was kind of told not not told to me like matter of factly but it was like hey did you know you know by the way were you aware and it, it just hit me like a ton of bricks i'm like wait a minute what because because William, we're for San Diego U, um, PHP user group, we're being hosted by the company that William worked at because of William. And you know, w- William went to them and said, "Hey, I know these guys; they do a lot for the PHP community. Uh, would you be interested in hope hosting their meetup?" And uh, we did. And and, th- and that organization was going through some changes, so the person who was explaining this to me was saying, "Hey, you know." Um, they they were hosting. We 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 also sponsored the View View JS meetup, and he was saying, yeah, you know, there was some confusion because uh, the one host had left, had moved on to another job, and he wasn't there anymore. And he goes, and oh, you know, were you aware that William passed away? Um, I'm like, it just it, it really threw me for a loop. Oh, like, that's right. The View the View JS meetup was just last night, wasn't it? Yeah. And for a minute, like nothing, nothing anybody said was making any sense anymore. I, I was, I'm, I'm like trying to process it. I'm like, wait, what did you just tell me? And yeah, it, it just yeah. was a ton of bricks. He actually got us our last two places that has hosted our meetup. Yeah, he he hosted well, he, the, he, he got us the, the Laravel meetup, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. and organized all the stuff that we needed for it and. The food and he 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 configured all the. That's when we did the live streaming of the meetup, and the the guy was just the smartest person out there. Uh, I mean, 
I was talking about it today. I don't think there's anything, any programming related or, or computer sort of scenario you, you could mention that he didn't have some genuine understanding of. And he could talk to you for days about just about any aspect of computer science and coding and networking. I mean, he, he was just so smart, but he wasn't arrogantly smart. He, matter of fact, he wouldn't even just share information. Some of the times you like had to pry the information <laughs> right. out of you. Mm-hmm. Or, or he'll just, you know, matter of fact, say, Oh, did you, were you aware of this? And then you'll know, go off. He, he was, he was really good. And I think I've shared this story in the past, but one of the, um, fewer known facts, and I shared with my team today, is when John and I started DAO Dev, there was actually three of us, and William was the third person. Mm. We actually started Diego Dev with William, and that it was going to be, you know, we had this idea between the three of us of running this company, and, and William, um, you know, he, he went on with other things and, and decided that, you know, he, he made a decision to move on, and it was fine. It, there was nothing wrong with the fact that he... He decided to move on. Yeah, it was, a, it was the early days of Diego Dev. We we weren't doing a whole heck of a lot, and right. the, the fact was it just didn't work out for him. So it, it wasn't anything like I had done to you guys. No, <laughs> no, he he was actually nice to us. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, he was he was one of the founding members of this of this great company that John and I um, have the pleasure of running now, and I and I have never forgotten that. And, I've always been appreciative of his input and his guidance. And I hadn't realized, uh, as I mentioned, I was having a brainstorming session with the team. But back in the day, I started a mentoring program with the San Diego PHP user group. And uh, William was one of the first people to jump on board as a mentor. He's like, hey, you know, if you have anybody who needs mentoring, um, send them my way. I'm more than willing to help. I hadn't realized until today, because it was shared with me, one of the first mentees that he had, we actually end up have having work for us to this day. Really? So we've hi- we hired one of the mentees that William mentored in the early days of SDPHP. Yeah, it's our latest our latest uh, contractor, John. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. So full, full circle. Yeah, it's, it's it's a great community yeah, to be a part great, of, and, and he's going to be missed. And again, all the more reason why you know, really, the benefits of being a part of a community are, are so deep, and and you don't even realize how they come back to and affect you sometimes until years later and you take a moment to review uh where you're at and why you're there but william i, I don't want to bring down the whole show i just i really feel like we need to talk about a little bit at the beginning william man you're, you're going to be missed we love you um uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to your your family and uh you know thanks for everything you, you've done for everybody in the php community i, I appreciate you <sighs> what a start to the show. Now, I know. And that was the thing. Is like When it was told to me today, we had to get the meeting going again. And it was so hard to get over over that over that hump to, okay, let's, let's get back to things. Mm-hmm. But we, let's get back to things. <laughs> All right. I got a funny story. Do you want to hear a funny story? I do want to hear a funny story. I, I, 
I don't know why this is why I feel like now is the appropriate time to say this, but I'm going to let you know. Last week, I you, you may remember that I mentioned I had a client baseball game to go to the next day, which would have mm-hmm. been Friday, mm-hmm. and we went to this client baseball game. <clears throat> so yeah, the clients weren't playing baseball. We went to a or you went to a baseball game, the Padres game with a client. Right, right. They were hosting a bunch of a bunch of seats. Yeah. California drivers, especially California drivers of nice cars, have this attitude and this privilege about driving. And I discovered a little hack on Friday that to this day I giggle about. <laughs> so I'm kind of a stickler for things like when you come to a four-way intersection where there's stops, four, four stops, I'm kind of a stickler for people doing the pattern and not not jumping the line. It drives me insane when people jump the line. So we're downtown San Diego because that's where Petco Park is for the baseball stadium. And we're at this four-way stop and this it's me and then to the right is a Tesla and the Tesla jumps the line. So I'm like screw this, I'm going. My wife screams. She goes Honey, honey, he's not stopping. I'm like, no, he's stopping. She goes, he's not stopping. I'm like, it's a fucking Tesla. The car will stop it. <laughs> so proud of yourself. Uh, uh, <laughs> wait, so he was next to you or you were crossing in front of him? We, we were crossing. So oh, okay. he, he was actually you... crossing in front of me. Yeah, he, he wasn't crossing in front of me. So I, I got out in front of his Tesla. Because <laughs> Tesla, you, you wouldn't go. <laughs> You're, you're, so you're the, wife, the wife was flipping out. I'm like, it's a Tesla. He doesn't have a choice but to stop. <laughs> who, so, that, out, out of curiosity, now that you have time to reflect, who who was in the right? Like, you had the right away. Oh, I, I totally had the right away. Like, like the car in front of. As a matter of fact, I was just waiting for the car in front of him to get by so I could get in front of in front of the Tesla. I mean, he he was totally jumping the line. I mean, ah. He wasn't even he he wasn't even trying to be like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was your turn. It was no, 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 I'm going, I'm going, stop. And so I'm like, no, I'm going. I mean, he was he was really far at the intersection by the time I pulled out, and the wife was not happy with me until until I explained to her how Teslas work. <laughs> and then it, it, I just giggled about it all night. It, it'll stop I automatically. Like there. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have a choice. He has to stop. I'm the savage driving the manual car. I'm the one that can actually do damage. <laughs> Did you dump the clutch and, and blow a bunch of smoke on him, too? That would have been awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, fun little life hack. You can, you can ruin a, a Tesla driver's day just by stopping in front of him. <laughs> or, or driving directly in front of him. So did he actually end up stopping, or did it time yeah, out right? Yeah, no, he stopped, yeah. <laughs> and and it, 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 I, I definitely oversold it where if he didn't, I mean, and I don't know if he manually stopped or if the Tesla stopped him. I, I assume, I like to think the better that he stopped, but I, I had oversold it where if he didn't stop, there was going to be an accident. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good, but I'm going to let it He might have tried to punch it, too. And it just would have stopped him as well. <laughs> yeah. At least you hope so. 
I did some research last week as well. I, I had forgotten that we discussed it, and then I'm like, oh, you know what? I, I want to do some research on this person be- so I can talk about it. You guys had talked a few weeks ago about that uh, PewDiePie. PewDiePie. Oh yeah. Am I saying Am I saying the name correctly? PewDiePie. I I totally cannot understand that show or that I, that you're that o- channel. You're over twenty years old. You're you're not gonna get it. I don't get it. I mean, I'm trying to watch it. I'm like, what content is here? What's happening? I I, I felt like an old man, get off my lawn! Because I ha- I'm like, why is this guy so popular on YouTube? I I, I, I wanted to talk about it, and I can't. I have, I can't understand that one. No, nah, I don't, I don't watch him. I don't, I don't get it. I just know of him. I don't... I do. I don't know his content. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think it was Thomas that says he actually likes what he's doing now. I'm like, what's he doing? He's not doing anything. It's it's playing to a very low brow sense of humor, but it's Perfect. also really? but, but it's also being clean. And and a lot of it is referential to the YouTuber community and to his past and and it's it's about the way he interacts with his fans. Mm. So you sort of have to follow what his fans are doing. As well as his videos. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like way too much work I, to watch a video. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> well, like, I just, like I just want I just want some fun content <laughs> to watch. I don't want I don't want to have to know. I'm, I'm already on Reddit a lot, so <laughs> I don't. It does. It wasn't a lot of extra work for me to follow. I still don't get Reddit. That's I got strange. I got some fun news. You might you might appreciate this, Thomas. John kind of already knows. Uh, the other thing I said I had to do last Friday, I, I, I mentioned the, the comical fact that I had to drive this scooter to get uh, registered. Do you have pictures? <clears throat> no, I wish. No. <laughs> but John and I have pretty much come to the conclusion that the scooter is hot. Like, it's a, it's, it's stolen. It's a stolen scooter. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't get it registered. I, so I'm there at AAA, and they're like, you know, we can't find a VIN number. There's no VIN number. I'm like, and she's asking me to to unscrew this panel where the battery is. I'm like, I don't have any tools. And so I call John up, and John, being the friend he is, he's like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll be there. And he, he pops out to AAA with some tools. And John pretty much disassembles the entire scooter. <laughs> he's like, the only place the VIN could be is right here, and somebody tore it off so yeah this is stolen (laughs) so as a result i couldn't get the i couldn't get it registered i have to now take the scooter somehow i have to figure out how to put it on the back of the truck and and drive it to a chp station which i I know that's not very difficult to do i've just never have done it but i've got to take it to the california highway patrol and they have to ascertain the ownership of of the scooter and i'm pretty sure they're just going to impound it at that point (laughs) what a bummer yeah what you got around your neck there john i don't know did my video freeze on you you keep yeah disappearing i see your thumbnail but i don't see when when it's oh yeah you you are frozen oh i wonder what happened there you just keep dropping in and out to a gray screen yeah I tried oh, opening. I, neck, I, I, I tried opening the camera settings to zoom in on what's around my neck, but that obviously backfired and froze my camera for Google. 
for, or for the that YouTube stream. That went very poorly. Very can, poorly. Can you turn your camera off and turn it back on? I can try. Let's find out. Bonk, bonk. Can you use a PC instead? No. <laughs> that did not work at all. That that seems worse. Yeah. <laughs> that seems but... Fun, well, fun. That's that that transition kind of flopped. That did. That was not a good segue <laughs> at all. Well, this so, is a podcast, anyways, so you can just describe so what you're wearing. I could. We we got our lanyards in today for Wave PHP. Woohoo! So Sweet. things are moving along. It's less than two weeks away. Can you believe this? <laughs> so, oh my god! We better be moving along. The thing is about to happen. <laughs> Guess so. I mean, like I couldn't quit Diego Dev and and before Wave PHP hit us. There it is. There you go. Mission Control. Oh, I came back. Hey, look. What did I do? How did that happen? So crazy. Yep. See the Wave PHP? Nice. Very nice. That's cool. That is very cool. I'm happy with them. The only thing that would have made them better is if we would have done full color. So that the logo would have popped a little bit more. But... It's there. Yeah. It works. I like the minimalism. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. It was a minimalist approach. We did that on purpose. <laughs> and if and if you're not watching nice the video feed, whole box of them. Oh my god! <laughs> if you're not watching the video is feed, that you're how, is have that to how come the game just them. <laughs> See? Yeah, they're just stuffed in this box. Sorry, Thomas. What did you say? I wasn't listening. If you're not watching the video feed, you're gonna have to buy a ticket and come to the event to see them. There you what go. what ticket would they have to buy, Thomas? The Wave PHP. I don't know. Is John still selling the early bird tickets? Of course. No, no early bird. Oh, you froze. You froze again, John. I did that on purpose. I don't know what you did. The Wave PHP 2018 conference, September 19th to the 21st, here in Mission Bay, San Diego. Promotional code PHP ugly. That's right. For seventy five dollars ah. off. Don't do that. Yeah, John and I had went down there had a meeting with the venue um kind of talked through the layout of of the venue and how everything's gonna be broken down it turns out i we we kind of reconfigured the things a little bit and we're, we're gonna have a pretty large kind of open area for like people who want to congregate and maybe have their own little uncon tracks or something we're, we're gonna have um, work we're gonna have be- workspace overlooking the bay Yes, I mean, it's, it's going to awesome be the best remote work you've ever had. <laughs> and we're we're about to they, announce by the by the time you listen to this, if you're not listening live right now, we're about to announce that lunch is going to be served on the beach. Ooh, yes, nice lunches too, because we had a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> so the lunches are actually pretty nice. <laughs> It's it's gonna be nice lunches. But, You'll get breakfast, at least as of right now, unless we change things up, yeah. up a little bit. That's that's no small potatoes. Yeah, it's gonna be breakfast and lunch served as it stands right now. We're talking about having one kind of game night where we'll maybe host some some cocktails or something. Um, yeah, I yeah, don't it's, not necessarily a game night. We're, we're still trying to figure out what we're gonna do that night, but it looks like we may have may have an after party one night. Yeah. Rocket League? Yeah. No, stop it. We they're tried. Not, they're not, we tried. They're not sponsoring, so. 
Well, I'll be playing Rocket yeah. League. No, you won't. Now they <laughs> the 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 venue did one hundred percent reassure us that Wi Fi was not going to be an issue for us. That they would even because we were geeks with computers, they were going to kick up the bandwidth on our own little segment of the Wi-Fi. Nice. And there's going to be power. And there's going to be power available in the rooms for the first three rows. Oh, I wasn't going to go that far to to announce that, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm announcing it. Yeah. If you want power, you have to sit in the first three rows of of the. We're we're bribing. uh, We're bribing people to sit up front now. That's right. <laughs> that that is being done intentionally. It's not when you get there and you see it. Don't be like, "Oh, well, they should have just taken half of these cords and gone back a couple rows, and they could have filled the whole room." No, it's in the first three, three, maybe four rows intentionally because that's where we want everybody to sit. Everyone's <laughs> gonna fit like up that. there anyway. We've already established yeah, that. Yeah, we know. So. So yeah, a uh, couple weeks, less than two weeks. Ph a PHP <laughs> wave PHP. PHP everything. Got some bad news for you, Thomas. What did I? I'm, what I'm I just do? I'm just punching through my to do list. We've been talking recently about how impressed we have been with the listener. And the, the listeners and the view and the viewers of PHP Ugly, mm-hmm. you know, we've been looking at our stats mm-hmm. and how they've been going up and up. Mm-hmm. Well, Simplecast, um, the platform we use, they're releasing a whole new version of Simplecast, and they're trying to standardize one of the standardize on how the metrics are collected. One of the issues with podcasting is getting good metrics and how metrics are actually collected and represented because like the way uh, iTunes measures podcast listening and the way Google play measures, everybody does it a little differently. And then you just have RSS streams and things like that. Simplecast is implementing their own solution. I forget what they called it. I, I audience. Oh wait, maybe I do have a link. Yeah. Audience. And they warned all the Simplecast uh, streamers you're going to see a decline in your numbers, basically. How do they know this? Because all they can measure are downloads, really, right? So they're calling it interactive advert... Oh, wait, no, is, is that it? Oh, they had a name for it. I know that, I know they're calling it audience now. Interactive but Advertising calling, Bureau. Is that, that is it. So the IAB version 2.0 standards... So they have the standard that they're implementing to help measure measure it, and I don't know. I I don't care enough about it to to research it. I mean, it, it was nice to see our listeners go up and up over the years. I mean, you know, we have a pretty good uh, listening pool now, um, but we don't sell advertising. We don't try to uh, get compensation for. For our podcast, we you know, we don't do anything idiots. like that. Didn't so, know about that? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I've been advertising so how many, on our cast for a while. <laughs> how many people are listening is not has never been that important to us. <laughs> not that we don't appreciate it. We definitely appreciate it. it just that we we don't we don't get anything out of it. So I, I've never measured our success by that. Fortunately, because we are not that <laughs> successful. <laughs> 
I still, I'm still shocked so, by the the people that do listen. I mean, why are you shocked? Not, not necessarily shocked. I don't know. You, I don't know. He's yeah. I uh, listen I, to myself. I I'm can like, answer uh, that. Why are, people, why are people listening to this? As as someone who's <laughs> listened to the podcast before, I often go, "Oh, now I have to listen to it." <laughs> oh my yeah, goodness! I don't know. So, I, I still don't understand how they're supposed to or how they can measure they're they're doing ip accounts and they're they're checking for repeated unique visits from an ip over 24 hours instead of over one minute or whatever so they're just they're trying to they're trying to catch duplicate downloads better but how do you do that from like people at a company i don't know it, I mean, I don't know. There's I, plenty of there's plenty of routers I, I out think, there that are doing that with lots of people behind it. Right, but I think the our our listeners are all the, behind a, the same router. I think the client that does the downloading has a unique identifier <laughs> in many cases. So I don't I don't know I don't run Simplecast. I'm not rich. <laughs> I forgot how to end that sentence. <laughs> you can end that lots of ways. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> well, I don't. I didn't want to get kicked off our podcast platform like we did last time. What are you talking what? about? Didn't we insult some podcast platform a long time ago and get yelled at by them? I don't remember. I mean, the, the only other platform we were on was SoundCloud, and you would have to be pretty crappy to get to <laughs> upset SoundCloud. <laughs> No, I, I don't. We, we we never got in any trouble with any you know people hosting us. So guess what, I guys? Recall. I recall. What's up, Thomas? Big news: Laravel five point seven has been released. Oh, I thought you said that the big news was going to be that we have some sort of Discord something or other going on, and I have no also, clue what that is. We have a Discord server now that John is not a participant not, of. Not now we, because we've had it for a while. I, I installed Discord and it's like, uh, you need to enter some sort of URL and I have no clue what to do there. As, as one of the people in Discord was nice enough to point out, our first post in Discord was back in 2016 <laughs> with, with Thomas and I kind of setting it up. Yeah. Saying, and then we hey, left is it this forever. something we want to try? <laughs> I'm supposed to look yeah, for some sort of instant it. invite and I don't have one. so I sent one to you just now. Just so now. yeah, uh, now Eric and I, and theoretically John, are going to be hanging out in the Discord channel. And uh, I know Eric and John are busy, but I'm certainly not. So I will be answering questions and hanging out with uh, friends and listeners. And yeah. John's name is Buttery Crumpet. Of course. <laughs> That's what else would it be? I don't know. Something an adult would say. Oh, I'm looking for an email. No wonder I can't find it. This is so silly. So Laravel 5.7 has been released, and... Praise the sun! Is, is that something you typed in, John? What? It's a... Not, it's I did, a game, I it's did a not. It's a gaming reference. It's a video game reference. I don't get it. I'm sorry. John just joined Discord and it says, it's John Congdon, praise the sun. And a very uh, accurate 
depiction of me, I might add. Yeah, it's pretty close. Pretty close, yeah. Thomas, Laravel 5.7 was released, and all is right with the world. Yeah, I was having a slow day, so I jumped on it real quick and found that every single package I had was not ready for 5.7. You know, I I take a a quick look at my composer, and uh, I've got, what, 40? Yeah, something around 50 uh, libraries I'm including. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a good number of them are not Laravel specific, but the ones that are just no support whatsoever. I was too too on the cusp, too on the edge for them. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, uh, so you know what I did? We what did you, what did you do? I submitted pull requests to all of them. <laughs> there you go. Good job. It, it was an interesting experience, like pulling a repo. Updating it, uh, doing a composer install, running the tests, and then submitting it for PR, and then just going the next one yeah. and doing it again. So, so that's all you did was yeah. run the test, assuming everything else was covered. You didn't really look for backwards compatibility issues outside of the tests. I educated myself on the Laravel 5.7 change log, so I knew what areas were heavily impacted, and fortunately, none of the packages relied on any of that stuff um but really if it passes the tests it should it shouldn't have any issues and if your library if your library has edge cases in it then that's a fucking bad library of course so uh no there were no real compatibility issues it was just version updates and then uh the i think the worst one i had was a package. It was a Laravel package that relied on another Laravel package that wasn't updated. So I had to update both of them and point the composer file to the updated version of my updated version, and then disclose in the pull request that I was pointing at a in- incorrectly tagged release of the source material. Until they accepted that so, pull request. Yeah. So that was that was a bit of a mess, but. Uh, and then everything started getting so merged you... in, and I might be taking uh, part in the Laravel Collective HTML package soon, because nice. that got... Uh, Damn, look at you go. Got delayed. I've, I really want to get more into open source. After doing this and having people say hey. thanks and seeing my code get rushed out to 10,000 people or whatever, that's it, it was a fun feeling. Hmm. So it's... Interesting that you bring that up, Thomas, because um, if you're paying attention to the date, WavePHP is less than two weeks away. But after WavePHP, Hacktoberfest starts again. Ooh. And if, yeah, Hacktoberfest. And I found a nice site to help listeners of the show participate in Hacktoberfest. If you recall, historically, We've always tried to find little ways to allow listeners who wanted to participate in Hacktoberfest participate. Uh, one year, we opened up our repo for people to submit PRs, which I technically, technically think is still out there, although we don't use it anymore. <laughs> it was, but it was our PHP Ugly uh, comment section that we opened right. up, so you could just add a line to the README file. Yeah, yeah, I thought that, I thought that was fantastic. That was very nice of us. <laughs> <laughs> but uh um what was I gonna say there? Oh, but I found I found a site that if 
you've been wanting to get into open source, which I am always trying to find, you know, good projects to get involved with. Check out uh, Code Triage. Uh, Code Triage is uh, a a um, curated, not curated, maybe curated list of open source projects out there, and it it categorizes some of the open issues based on kind of you know difficulty on on how 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 they need to be addressed. Uh, they have PHP. They I mean they have pretty much every language out there. Uh, I'll put the I'll put the link in the show notes, but yeah, Code Triage is out there uh, for anybody who wants to get involved with an open source project, and especially for, in October. That sounds really cool. I'm gonna check oh. that out. Thomas, going back to your comment on updating the packages, you you mentioned Composer. Out of curiosity, do either of you use Composer to make sure you have PHP extensions installed? Yeah. Really, I just started that. I, I don't. I don't think I do. Yeah. So if um, if your code relies on, let's say, the GD extension, for example, you can tell Composer to make sure that extension is installed. So if you do a Composer install and it's not there, it throws up an error. I do it for a minimum yeah. version. Um, I don't in my main projects do it for specific libraries like GD or iMagic or anything like that. No, that's what but, I'm talking about. Is the, the specific extensions. Like I, we started doing it for minimum version of PHP, gee, uh, probably two three months ago, if not more. But you can actually do it for the extensions, and I actually learned that through PHP Storm through one of the plugins I'm using, and it, it complains about your extensions if the if it's not in your composer because it it doesn't know that you have it available to you on your production server, unless that's in there. So I thought I thought it was pretty fascinating. It's funny you say that because I, I'm pretty sure certain packages also do that as well. Because when I was installing um, when I was installing the package for MongoDB, uh, I got hit with that where I said I it, it wouldn't install the package because it says hey you need the MongoDB extension enabled yeah. to use this package. Hmm. Yeah, and I've installed some image editing packages that checked for iMagic or GD to be installed first too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I think a lot of packages just do that out of the box. But yeah, if, I guess if they don't, or if you have further restrictions you you want to impose, you could do it yourself. I mean, for as simple as making sure you have the MySQLi extension installed, if that's what you're using, or the the PDO right. extension. And it to me, it's a a great way, especially when you have multiple environments, just to make sure everything has what you need to get up and running. So, something to let look ask, at. Let me ask you this. Yeah, let me ask you this, Thomas. Since you went through and you were correcting a bunch of packages for Laravel, was there was there anything common? Like, did it become, oh, I know what this is going to be because these other three packages had this issue as well? Nothing really need, needed um, any significant changes. Uh, boy, I don't want to get into the my Laravel 5.7 rant quite yet, but (laughs) (laughs) oh boy is that that in the doom and gloom section? no, it's just I have to pee (laughs) it's much simpler than it should be (laughs) every week 
Yeah. You need to get <laughs> so that bladder good. checked. Um, no, you know, for me, it was growing comfortable with the requirements of Composer, the syntax for defining versions, the syntax for overriding a package VCS location, um, the fact that uh, there were a bunch of packages that out of the box assumed that the support would be backwards compatible on future versions. So they would say uh, five, any branch in 5.7, so 5.7.1, 5.7.2, etc., etc., or any branch in 5.8. Um, but those releases wouldn't be tagged. They would just be branches in the repo. So that was that was the case for the package that required a package that was not working was that there was a branch that supported 5.7 and at 5.8 out of the box, but there wasn't a tagged release for it. Um, and and just sort of going through digging through GitHub and seeing how people organize their projects, um, people having read only repos and then having a compiled kernel version. Um, seeing people version their packages independently of the Laravel version was common. But mm -hmm. with Laravel Collective, we don't do that. With Laravel Collective, our packages are tagged to the same version number as the version of Laravel, the major version mm -hmm. of Laravel. So you see a lot of different attitudes and behaviors on how things should be pulled and tagged and released or released as pre-production um, for example, I, I updated the Iron IO or the the Iron Q manager package, and because I tested it, but I didn't run through it rigorously, I marked it as a pre-release uh, tag, which just gives people a warning that hey, I you know I ran it and checked, but I didn't do a thorough check. So, but then I also. I also have a bunch of pull requests that no one's even looking at that are dead-ish projects. I don't know. I don't know how I feel I about libraries that that people develop and then abandon. I got a question for you, too. <laughs> this is something I, I've been going back and forth on, and I, I see it implemented I, I see it implemented a couple ways. <clears throat> um, in, internally, I, I mentioned we're developing this very large Greenfield app. And it's uh, heavily API driven, where we have a nice little Vue.js front end that's calling a bunch of API endpoints uh, that, that are part of a Laravel backend. Um, we ha we have kind of a debate internally, not not so much a debate, but a difference in opinions, I guess, internally, on if you call an API endpoint that you don't have access to. So let's say you call an API endpoint of a profile page that's not your profile page or something like that. Should you be presented with a 404 or presented with some other error message? And I'll, I'll give you my way of thinking of it. In my opinion, if you hit an API endpoint that is a valid API endpoint, but it's a resource that you don't have access to, in my opinion, it shouldn't be a 404. It should be some other error message. I forget the one I settled on. I can go back and look. But I say that, and I notice that in GitHub, if you go to a repo that you don't have access to, they they present you with a 404 error. Really? So, I don't know. 
what is what is your opinion on that? Like, how do you feel about that? Isn't isn't there a is a four hundred one unauthenticated? If it's an authentication issue, yes. Um, I, I think the one I settled on, it was god damn i want to say it was like a 402 or 403 uh it was something uh resource unavailable or something like i i forget i think it was like a resource unavailable error code i i don't remember which one i i had the developer work end of end of day it doesn't really matter the as long as the consumer knows what what what'd you say (laughs) yes it does yeah, it no, does. it doesn't. As long as the whatever's consuming that knows what the error codes are and how you mean for them to happen, I disagree. I don't think it matters. If I want to throw a four ninety nine, I can. Screw you. So you don't think a four? So my thinking of it was, I felt a four hundred four was misleading. If I if I'm on the other end of that and I get a four hundred four and it says uh, resource uh, not, not found, found mm-hmm. right. I'm I'm calling customer service saying, "Hey, I'm get, trying to get to this endpoint, and it's saying that it's not there. There there's no endpoint." So from I gotta stop saying so. I'm, I've fallen back into that that whole so thing. But f- from where I stand, I want to give them more of a feedback of, "No, it's here. I'm not giving it to you for whatever reason. You're not authorized. It's not available to you." But this, you, you've hit a valid endpoint. This is a correct endpoint. You, you are where you think you should be. I'm just not giving you what you think you should get. So that that's a hard one because there's lots of security issues there. If, if they're not supposed to see that, should they know it's really there? Just like when I, and if I go to I'm a saying. site that was the... asking for a password reset and I put in my email address, but I signed up for the service with a different email address, they're not going to say oh that that email address is valid but you shouldn't be here right that didn't really come out the way it was supposed to but you know the key is you don't want to allow anyone to footprint your system so anything that should be a secret like the the existence of it to any party should be a secret then that should 404 so if the if the very idea See, I, I like to classify my groups. I've got administrators and users and, and associates and partners and whatever. And if if there's a group that shouldn't know that this tool exists, then it's a 404 mm-hmm. for me. Hmm. If it's a tool okay. that obviously exists. So your example of a password reset page for a logged in user or, or edit profile. So you, if the person's profile name is publicly disclosed somewhere else, then disclosing that they have a profile page is not a security problem. Do you understand what I mean? So, well, it depends. A little bit. It depends on if if they're hitting an endpoint for my username, even if it's clear that I'm part of the well, site. If it's a forum and I've obviously made public posts, let, let, let's use the real world example of GitHub, where. I'm going to a GitHub repo that's a private repo that I don't have access to, but I don't have access to it because I'm not logged in. I don't realize I'm not logged in. So I'm trying to get to this repo. I'm not logged in. GitHub is saying, hey, this is a 404. Right. And me, as a user, I'm like, well, shit, that's the repo address. It should be there. Why is it not there? Uh, And what I'm proposing is I would rather see a different message that says, 
hey, there's something wrong. It's you know that, this that, resource. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give it to you. To me, that's a 401. You're not authenticated. Right, right. So in that in that case, it would be a 401. Good. Yeah, that's that's a good example. In that case, it'd be a 401. You know, but but I I still feel like a 404 is the wrong message because it's misleading. It's unless the, the unless you're trying to there. hide that it exists at all. If you're trying to prevent somebody from enumerating your system by differentiating between a 404 and a 401 and just throwing requests at every possible combination of words at a repo. Yeah, so if you had like slash invoice slash 1000 to get to that invoice, you don't want someone going to 1001 right. just to get a, a 401 or to get a, to figure out that that's a valid number. Right, so you don't want to promote somebody crawling your system using your get codes as as a technique for footprinting you. And you also remember that when you hit a GitHub resource that's that's hidden, that includes the subdirectories under it. So if you wanted to find out if this project was running on running on WordPress and you knew that it was running on WordPress, or you knew the name of the project but you didn't know if it was under WP admin or admin page or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I could enumerate, if I knew the name of a project that was private, I could enumerate the directory structure of that project by 401s or 404s, which you don't want to allow anyone to do. I could also enumerate the version numbers. I could enumerate tags and branches. You know, giving a 404 is a broad response to a specific problem, which is that if I had the patience and I knew a little secret, I could get a bigger secret. Hmm. So to me, yes, you're sending the wrong message, but you're sending the wrong message on purpose because you don't want to allow them to use your messages to violate the trust of the system. Hmm. One of the few times I agree with Thomas. I mean that's Don't make that, that that's the key the key to this is that I'm always right. Oh, don't get carried away. <laughs> no, it's just that if you away. if you knew the name of the private repo, then you could start figuring out the destruct, the directory structure of it from 401s versus 404s versus 403s. Hmm. All right, I want to I want to talk about another wild toad ride I've been on this past week. Are you guys interested in hearing about it? Yes. And John's to blame for some of this. I just want to point this out. Okay, but we have to we have to roll back into my issues with Laravel 5.7. So don't for, don't really forget. Need to, I you thought really was, need to learn how to let things go. <laughs> I thought that was at the end with your doom and gloom section. Right. You just I, I'm reminding you to you know natively segue back into it. We're being we're being told there was a a, a, a Microsoft Azure outage this week. Was anybody aware of this? Was anybody hit with this? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was a big deal because uh, Visual Studio Code uh, extensions were were all sorts of problems because obviously that's where they're hosted. Uh, yeah, I'm pulling up the news now. Yeah, I guess he suffered some sort of an outage. Wow. After a cooling issue. Yeah, yeah I, they just weren't know, cool is, enough. This issue, the, this service... There's there's so many good services out there with AWS with uh, 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 DigitalOcean. Um, you have Google doing their cloud stuff. Microsoft, you would really think that they would just be like 
one of the forefront runners in this industry. And they have a good service. They really do. Uh, because they opened it up to the Linux platform and they've started embracing Linux. And But, man, I just... I, I, I struggle to find a good reason to even look at them. Like, DigitalOcean, I am struggling more and more not to use AWS are to use AWS over DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean has come such a long way of relevant services that I use where I'm like, man, I much prefer to be in DigitalOcean than I do AWS for these services because they've just kind of made these cleaner interfaces easier to manage than the AWS environment. But I, I always forget about Microsoft services out there. Yeah, I think everyone does. So yeah, I'll I'll add it. I'll add the uh, outage in the in the show notes. I wasn't even aware of this, uh, but our buddy Ted in chat, Ted Nugent, brought it to our attention. So I wanted to see if you guys if you guys knew of this. Yeah, a couple of weeks okay, ago there um, was an AWS App Engine outage that brought down uh, Rocket League that was really upsetting. Don't care. Moving on. <laughs> 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 the wild toad ride I've been on the, these last couple of weeks has been around event sourcing. I was and just writing that down because I, I was going to bring it up. <laughs> I have gone from having my mind completely blown to this this entire new Greenfield app is going to be all about event sourcing and, and getting deep diving into it to today rolling everything back and saying, you know what, this is just a goddamn audit log. I'm I'm putting too much weight behind event sourcing. We're we're going to scale this back tremendously. <laughs> and I it's so frustrating because I can't figure out if this is something I really want to embrace or something I just kinda of want to keep on the outskirts. <laughs> and and again, through conversations I had with John this week, John John brought up some use cases of event sourcing that I hadn't even thought of and it blew my mind. I'm like, holy crap, you're opening up so many doors to for me. And then John shared a, uh, shared an article today right after we, in our little brainstorming session uh, that we were having, right after we just had an intense conversation about what the role of event sourcing needed to be in this new Greenfield app, and me kind of taking a moment rolling back saying, you know what, I'm tired of this. We're just creating an audit log at this point. You know, it's, I, I, I was putting too much, I felt like I was putting too much weight behind what the event sourcing was doing. And then uh, turn around and John shared a really good article, which I'll post in the show notes as well, the downside of uh, event sourcing. Can I, can I tell you and, that as, for all of you guys have been talking about it, that's how I felt was like, why are you implementing this? There, there's a there's a few different reasons. One portion of the app is financially based, so that warrants an event sourced model or event sourced architecture. A lot of the reading I've been doing, a lot of the watching of tutorials and videos on on the subject, makes me want to embrace it more. I'm a big proponent of an audit log. Uh, the application I work on has a very small audit log on changes made to some data. And when I go to look for, I, I 
consider myself a, a, a sleuth. When there's an issue, I need to go in and, and dive in and figure out what's changed, why it's changed, when it changed. And if you're not, if you don't have an audit log over every piece of data, you don't know why and when things changed. And in this application, they track changes of, let's say, the name of a contact in the system, but maybe not, hey, this custom field changed. Well, that doesn't help when I'm trying to figure out, hey, why doesn't this feature work? So as I keep reading more about event sourcing, it becomes more of a, I can go back and look at every single detail of every single object and figure things out. On top of that, through event sourcing, I can create different ways to look at my data. So my UI may pull a list of contacts so I can customize the data store that that UI uses just to pull a list of contacts. But I may have a different data store that is used solely for reporting where the data, it's all the same data, just organized differently to make reports faster, more, uh, I was going to say more efficient, but that's the same thing. So it's all how you look at the data. And maybe three years from now, I have a brainstorm of, oh, wait, maybe this chain of events means something else. So now I can go back and replay those events from those three years to create a completely different data set that isn't currently available to figure something else out about my business. So, so you're, ta you're talking about storing more data in an audit log than you're storing in your relational tables. Exactly. Yes. So this yeah. is this is the idea behind the big data um, min... Oh, God, I can't remember what it's called. That's going to kill me. The, the big data... The, the, there's a core function of big data that is compiling collections of information into relational records. Um, oh my god, that's this is really going to bother me. Well, while, while you're looking for that, Eric, I have somebody that has been putting together talks, currently been declined by various conferences, that may be willing to jump on a, a phone call with us to to talk through some things. Okay. So... I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Just trying to get the hard part is the real life examples and Map I watched the. Well, I mean that's a yeah, it. Yeah. Map reduces just a, a common technique for taking a bunch of data and, and boiling it down to a subset of data, right? Sure, but this is what you're talking about with storing the larger data. So, uh, Ted, listener Ted Nugent was asking about a, a good partial approach to to this. And I think big data sort of has handled event sourcing in the way that they do MapReduce and relationships between large collections of data and smaller relational collections of data. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. So you, you could... Well, you can keep your audit log in a big data table that collects everything and you can have your MapReduce class that processes it moves it into MySQL mm -hmm. and 
and as long as you've got that MapReduce class, you can modify it and then reprocess and just generate a whole new set of data from it. Yeah, but I don't even think it needs to be MapReduce. I may not be understanding that completely because I don't know all the terminology, but you have, you're constantly emitting these events. You have subscribers that are listening and those subscribers can ask for data up to any point. So it's up to the subscriber to keep track of, okay, I, I got event 1000. So now it can now ask if it's not actively subscribed where it's getting push data so you you create this whole new uh, architecture of data you want to store. You can start saying, "I need from zero to a hundred, or however you're going to page the data, or start asking for a stream from zero, and you just keep playing those up to build up a whole new data store. And having the multiple data stores is I, I think the game changer of efficiency that I'm not wrapping my head around because a lot of the a lot of the example videos I'm watching, it, they're simple presentations trying to get you interested in the topic. But a lot of them say, "Oh, you just replay the events in your in memory to rebuild your object." Well, that doesn't work ten years down the road or two years down the road when you got mm-hmm. millions or billions of these events. You're not going to replay everything in memory. That's just 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 stupid. to get the users balance or something. Yeah. Yeah. But you yeah, you have snapshots as well. Yeah, you have snapshots and uh, data stores that are separate that have the data you need. And the fact is, you can blow those away, rebuild them if you want to, or have a change in your your UI, and then say, okay, well, let's rebuild a new data store and get rid of the old one. Which is that's one of the biggest pieces to me is constantly building up different data stores for different needs. And I think that's where our discussion our discussion started to break down today because we were talking about that exact scenario of oh you can play back your data but it started to break down because we we're like okay well I mean what is really the benefit of that? Like if 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 I need to restore my database I would restore my database. This is not really a disaster recovery p- process. But but what you're saying, again, is making so much sense again. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, we can create these different data stores for these different needs that you don't realize you need today. Mm-hmm. So five year, or five months down the road, we can say, hey, you know what? We need this data set and exactly what you said. You start playing these events to build out that data set. Yeah, and I forget. I, I am so torn on this topic. I am really torn on this topic. Even uh, hang on, I, I think it was Greg Young. Yeah, Greg Young. The video I watched from him did it with a shopping cart example of mm-hmm. in a traditional shopping cart. I may go to Amazon and add two products to my cart, and then decide, oh, I don't want this one. I want to delete it. In our normal everyday approach, we will have a cart table and an items table. And we will insert two records, and then we will delete one of those. What happens two years down the road when we decide, hey, I wonder if people that delete these items end up buying them later. Well, if you've deleted the data, you don't have it to know down the road. But when you first created the system, you didn't know to ask that question. So the fact that we are getting rid of data is what 
limits us in the future. Where if we have all of the data, we can right, but then figure you're this stuff mouse out. Mouse heat maps and and hover thinking about clicking or entering a comment, but then deciding not to comment. And I mean, you can track such but, a minutia of of information. I mean, I mean, there has to be like a limit to what you're what you are going to track. It doesn't have to be every single data point in your system. But it has to be right. the and relevant again, that, data business, that you're doing. Business decision. Well, but isn't yeah. the isn't the idea of being able to analyze something that you didn't that you could have tracked but didn't a year ago? See, the idea here to but, me is track every It's not only what you could have tracked it but didn't. It's hey, we need this information today. It's, maybe it's not something you could have tracked. It's hey, we need to know you know how how many people. I don't know. I can't come up with a good example, but it's just having to extract data in a format that you didn't anticipate needing that data. It's it's also when if you are writing a delete statement, if you're deleting data out of your database, I think that's a good time to start asking yourself, will this ever be useful? And I think when we're we're spinning up quick projects, the the card example is one of those where. You may think right now, I don't need that data, but you don't know how that's going to translate into analytics down the road. When it comes to the mouse clicks and all that, or the heat maps, that's that one's even more difficult because now you also have to track what the site looks like at this very moment, and how do you analyze that compared to two years down the road when you have a completely different site you can't say, okay, they clicked in this region because images have changed, maybe entire layouts have changed. So that's a that's a edge that's case a or data. A, that's a different a I different use case. Bet you a billion dollars I know what Facebook's doing. They're deleting everything. They don't store a single <laughs> right, bit of data. Right. <laughs> There's no robots here. So anyway, I, I am kind of sold on the idea of event sourcing but i haven't put it into practice so i don't know personally all i know is from what i've read and the promises that i can see from having something like that but now it comes down to where do you make the call to use it because all of the examples you look at online point back to the financial industry and that makes perfect sense debits and credits are easy to track in a history in a ledger format but when you're talking about a a piece of data for a user how are you tracking that and are you tracking uh per record or like i don't know there's just so many questions i have and i need people that are smarter than i am to talk to me about it yeah yeah that's how i feel i i i'm just so i i i feel like i i've been through the ringer on this topic over the last couple of weeks from just being blown away with it well from struggling to get my head around it to being blown away with it to you know backtracking getting blown away again then backtracking again so everything I, everything new the process of learning anything yeah <laughs> this seems different it's because like, it's it's going to be such a it has a potential of being such a big part of this platform and does seem like a, a piece that i've been missing on other projects yeah and i don't want and it to i don't want to chase what... the new and shiny just because it's something we're now learning about because i know it's been around forever i know it's not technically new but i also don't want to j- implement it just because we're just now learning about it 
but I do see the benefit of having something like this, especially in my debugging slash customer service type of roles where I need oh. to know this data and how do I find it? I'm so sorry, but yeah. Buttery Crumpets just said it sounds like hype-driven development. That's just the meanest thing what? I've heard so far. Is, no, is I, it it's not wrong. I, I don't disagree. <laughs> I, I disagree a little bit. I mean, I, I don't... I, I, well, I guess I, I have heard... See, it's weird. when when the, Something like event sourcing, I don't know if I'm hearing more about it all of a sudden, or if I'm just... I'm just acknowledging it like like it's always being talked about i've i've just never like you've never you never notice people have a blue ford until you get a blue ford and then all of a sudden you notice everybody has a blue ford mm -hmm. it's it's i feel like it's like that like maybe this has been talked about for years i just was never interested so so i know it, it never uh, I, i'm I never seeing made that connection. i'm seeing references priapism yeah i don't know I, the thing I keep telling the team who's working on it is if if we do it and we do it correctly, everybody's going to come out of the other end of this project such a better developer, understanding understanding this one pattern, this this, this event sourcing pattern, I feel like. And the I, fact I, that I it's, it's, there, the fact that it's Greenfield, yeah, it's Greenfield app, so we're starting from scratch and we can do it how we want to. I, the hard part I is been, backtracking it into an existing project. I've been dragging, well, no, I don't think you could. I think that'd be an right. enormous undertaking. Not undoable. No, everything is doable. It, your current money. state, your yeah, but your current state just becomes your initial state. It's like this is all we know at this point, and we're going mm -hmm. to start tracking moving forward. But you have to make that decision right. to do so. Well, I, I I know I know how that feels though. That knowing is better than not knowing, even if you never implement it, because. I've been dragging myself through DDD stuff all week, mm -hmm. and I love it. I love the... I mean, first off, I I didn't realize that the certain concepts of it weren't common knowledge or common practice. And so I didn't understand DDD for a long time because they were just saying what I already thought everyone did, mm -hmm. um, which was name your variables in a smart way, stupid. <laughs> uh but, I mean, I, I have DDD issues come up all the time where it's not a greenfield issue. It's we want to add a field to this table. We'll call it type. And if you get deep enough into DDD, you understand that the, the term type is just the worst possible thing you can put in, in a column on, on a relational database. It's just terrible. And this is something I've known for five years. I but I was working in PHP for seven years before that, so I didn't know it then. And I, I forget that these are things that you learn part of through the process of self-education, that you don't have the class where you sit down and just do this thing. And, yeah, it's, it's really important stuff. Uh, I've also been going through every uh, common design pattern for PHP and practice implementations and stuff like that and just getting myself reacquainted with it um, I don't have any argument against knowledge or or getting deep into a topic like event sourcing and why it's used and how to use it the issue and I think I think 
where the hype-driven development stuff comes from is knowing how to apply this new knowledge to your existing domain is mm-hmm. very important as well. Right. I love that terminology, butter buttercrumbs, hype-driven development. I I might have to tweet that out at some point. Oh yeah, get ready. You, for you've the never heard that one before. To just lose its brains. <laughs> no, no. I had you heard that one. How before? dare you? Yeah. That's our term. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hype-driven development. Yeah. It, it, it's it, it's the chasing the new and shiny. The Laravel, that fits Laravel like perfectly. Like Jeffrey Way does a video of something, and all of a sudden, that's all oh, everybody's geez. doing. It's like, yeah. come, you know, Jeffrey Way does a, does a video on command buses. Like everybody's talking about command bus all of a sudden. Yeah. Why? Well, I, I just named my next JS framework though. Hype JS. Hype JS. I'm, I'm sure it's out there. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Let's let's put it to the test. <laughs> Good is, you gotta put it in the show Shit. notes. See if the domain hypejs.com is taken. Grab it. Let's just hi- it would just be hype.js. But I would like to rewind into the show saying you do need to apply it to your your domain, your data set. You can't just apply it willy nilly. Yeah. But it's something I want to know more about, and I, I do see benefit in it so no don't abandon it quite yet no nah, I, I, I mean it's it's still it's still factory in there it's just uh, we've scaled back a lot on how we're talking about leveraging it one of the videos i shared recently the very end of it it says start small don't try and yeah you know don't apply it to everything kind of get your mind wrapped around it and then go from there twice twice <laughs> I mean, I'm ready to wrap up. He, he's the one that wanted to talk about one more thing, and I, I think we're done. We should just hang up at this point. That's have to come back and just be gone. Guy needs his bladder yeah. checked. <laughs> Either that, or we just need to send him a big Gatorade bottle he can keep there at the desk with him. That, or we need a shorter show. We, we drone on there way too go. long. I'm going with that one right we there. We have a. Uh, we we have more live uh, viewers, I think, than we've ever had before with a whopping number four. Oh, it was yeah. actually up to five at one point. Well, Discord is all the rage now. We've got tons of people in there. Yeah, the, the Discord is really taking off. Hype-driven. Hype-driven. <laughs> Hype-driven dev gives us no death. <laughs> so true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh hey my. Thomas, glad you could join Welcome us. Back. The title of this episode is Thomas's Weak Bladder. <laughs> Were you listening as you walked away? No, <laughs> I just knew exactly what you guys would say, <laughs> and I'll be listening when I edit it. Well, we've already hung up. We stopped broadcasting while you were gone. I can literally see the button that says "live" still. Damn it. <laughs> Can we talk about Laravel right. 5.7? I thought we were hanging up. We did. You, you need to re-listen to the show. We we talked about Laravel God, 5.7. Damn. We had we only have twice while you're gone. Limited amount of time we can give Laravel any any news. Yeah, it only they, they don't talk about us. It only employs us. They, they, they well, but they they sponsor us. other conferences, but not Wave PHP. 
They didn't sponsor Wave PHP, but no, they sponsor every other conference out there. Literally, like gold, <laughs> gold sponsorship. Every other concert, concert. But all right, hold on. I'm looking. But Wave PHP. I'm looking for my surprised emoji. Hold on. Uh, I can't find it. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, that's that's throwing up. Scream cat. Yeah. That's, of course, that's mine. of course, he didn't sponsor us. <laughs> I told you when we when you guys announced Wave PHP, I told you that tying it to PHP Ugly and SDPHP would have an impact. He would remember who we are. All right, Literal five seven. Um, five seven. So uh, the change log the change log came out, and there is on every um, oh, the upgrade guide. I'm sorry, came out, and on every item that a change occurred. There is a likelihood of impact report, which is very nice. Um, it goes from very low, low, uh, medium, and high. So the high impact issue here is the total removal of the OR operator in the blade templates. So if you were using variable OR default in blade, that just stops working all of a sudden. That's going to throw a fatal error. Which is... Okay. Is that what you wanted to talk about? A bummer. I would like to see a deprecation on something like this before I see just a removal. That's fair. Um, you, know, you don't see a lot of deprecation in Laravel, do you? You don't see any. No. Yeah, I think occasionally you do. But yeah, you're right. It's It's, it's more of a... It's here. No, it's not. I think facades. <laughs> it's here. I think it's facades gone. got deprecated, but that was that was out of spite. Um, but yeah, it's to just have to have to replace hundreds of ores with the uh, null coalescing operator in all of my templates was the biggest time sink of my upgrade, which is a. It was a bummer. It was a bummer to have to find and then replace all of these usages. And then the thing that bothered me was the four instances of quote, generally this should be considered a bug fix. However, it is listed as a breaking change out of caution. Please let us know if you encounter any issues. What, what what was that? There are four of these. <laughs> uh, the first one is a bug fix for job scheduling. The next one is a bug fix for the split command on a collection. Uh, <laughs> the next one is, I'm sorry, five. <laughs> five instances. Uh, SQLite not supporting dropping of foreign keys, therefore the drop foreign method on a table throws an exception. Eloquent uh, latest and oldest now respect a custom created at timestamp column uh, was changed. I mean, these are bug fixes, but they're massive. Like, they were massive bugs. And why were they not in the 5.6 branch if they existed? Like, if I if I had these massive, massive bugs where, like, the output 
wasn't uh, just hundred percent wasn't what it should be, then I would have released a bug fix branches instead. But instead, mm-hmm. they went into the five seven major release change, and I'm just and and I'm driven nuts by it because these bug fixes are the kind that could dramatically impact libraries, will dramatically impact applications. If you use the was changed method on a model and relied on it occurring after the model was updated instead of before, then it's going to screw your shit up. Mm-hmm. I just and and I started thinking as somebody who was updating a bunch of a bunch of GitHub repos, like, hey, shouldn't there be a script that checks packages for all packages that require Laravel? And shouldn't they get some kind of notification from Taylor in on a, a key-based chat or GitHub or email or something that says major release coming up? Here's how you prep for it. Here's the change log. Like, it's it's not just worrying about leaking information. It's it's this shit needs to get out before the release is public, before mm-hmm. the guy who works for a dentist office runs the upgrade, walks out, and then the whole system is dead, and he has no idea why. I I'm getting more and more. Wait, my dentist uh, is using Laravel. Yes. <laughs> hmm. I just I'm I'm getting more and more frustrated with the I'm going to call this enterprise but continue doing it the way that I'm doing it and <laughs> I mean I I I you you you, you know we we've, that's probably the one topic we get more hate feedback on whenever we start talking about Laravel in their in their goal to be recognized as enterprise we we hear back from more people on the, on that topic. Not that I not that I'm changing. I I stand by everything we've said. But it's funny. It's like it triggers. It is such a triggering conversation. Yeah, from people who ecosystem. don't do enterprise. It's people who don't do enterprise that want it. They want it to mean a classification of of five stars out of five. And it's not five stars out of five. It's a system in place to support software it is not how good your software is it is how good the whole chain is and if if you haven't and i admitted i talked about it in the last episode if i don't use the paid products i don't have a place to stand on whether or not they are enterprise but i use the free product and it's not fucking (laughs) enterprise you can't just stand there and say this is enterprise when there's nobody i can call at 2 a.m that's the definition to me is if I can make somebody feel bad and have to get out of bed and work for me, then you've started the step towards enterprise. <laughs> I just, I get so frustrated with, and, and, and Herman, Herman is asking this in the Discord, is, isn't there a difference between Laravel being enterprise and Laravel being used in enterprise? And that's absolutely yes. true. Yes. The, the cheapest, we, we talked about this. This is this is the Duracell thing. Duracell loves to advertise that their batteries are used in flashlights for firefighters. It's like great. I I'm sure you have a wonderful sponsorship program with firefighters around the country and when one of your Duracell batteries explodes, you'll take full responsibility. But that's not that's not a firefighter you know, that's not a fireproof battery just because you put it in a flashlight and gave it to a fireman. Yeah. 
All right. Yeah, yeah, and we talked. We talked about it. We're running very long. I'm it's ready very, to wrap this up. We've, but I do we've have, run so much I, longer I, before. I have one last complaint. Thomas, you can bitch and moan every time I fidget with things. And usually when I'm fidgeting, it's when I'm not talking. You're in the middle of talking and pop the top on a beer. <laughs> you can't complain about I me was, making noise anymore. It was an exclamation on the statement of frustration <laughs> I was given. It was done... It was done fully aware and in a state of anger. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. I think we. I think we've. I feel like I could go on for another hour. I tell you, what a difference. What a difference Discord is making. I know it's new, so maybe a lot of people are jumping in because it's new. But the 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 communication and everything. And I was telling John. Thomas, uh, when you stepped away earlier, I think we've had the most live viewers on this show, even though it's like been four or five. I think it was up to like five at one point. Are we counting ourselves? But it's it's fun. Well, no, we never count ourselves. <laughs> so it's like two. <laughs> but yes, I think this is, we're going to wrap it up for the day. Um, of course, Discord stays open, so it's not like the uh, YouTube chat where when the show is over, the conversation Crap, stops. I, but i got to keep using this I'm thing. Go- I'm going to bed, so I'm not going to be in Discord, but I will be there tomorrow morning. We, we can follow up. Thomas, did you notice I created a whole Doom and Gloom channel for you on Discord? So you can post all your Doom and Gloom uh-huh. stuff in, in Discord, and whoever wants to follow it can follow it. Um, <laughs> it's going to be nobody. But yeah, di- Discord is going to be open for a while. I hope, I hope everybody joins it. Yeah, and I'll be, I'll be in the Discord doing the daily chit-chats. I'll always be I'll always be around for Discord. That's because you're a gamer. You know how Discord works. I'm still trying to figure it out. It's Slack, man. Praise, it's just Slack. Praise the sun, it's baby. a free version of Slack. Yeah. Alright, that's it. Episode 120 of PHP Ugly is done. I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm John Congdon. I'm Tom Rideout. Nothing funnier than that. Keep it ugly. Two mushrooms. Rest in peace, William. You missed your bus. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at phpugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly.